0: So just to begin, you can start by introducing yourself and then we can talk about uh, the politics of Pakistan.
1: Uh, my name is Adam Pal and I'm based in Lahore and I work for International Marxist Tendency and we are working in Pakistan to build a Marxist organization for a socialist revolution and socialist transformation of society in this country. and. Uh, uh, our ideas are those ideas of the Mark, of Marx, Engels, Lenin, and Trotsky. And we are building an organization on similar lines as Lenin built the Bolshevik Party in Russia and carried out a socialist revolution in 1970, 1917 under leadership of Lenin and Trotsky and the Bolshevik Party.
0: Great. Thanks so much. And uh, I guess. To begin, my main kind of question or or topic that I'm curious about um, is the vote of no confidence against Prime Minister Imran Khan. I'm curious if you can explain kind of from your perspective, from a Marxist perspective, the the lead up, as you did in an article uh, in defense of Marxism, of what led to this situation, what led to this no confidence vote. you know, the role of the United States, I guess, in, in Pakistan's politics as well, and how this potentially plays a role. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious just to explain, because this is such recent news that I think a lot of people in the U.S. don't know exactly what's happened and they're are curious. Yes, uh,
1: the recent update is that uh, Imran Khan has been ousted from power, and uh, uh, he's no longer now the prime minister of the country. A vote of no confidence was held uh, in the parliament in Islamabad last night and uh, uh, with a majority and uh, they were able to oust Prime Minister uh, Imran Khan. And tomorrow there will be a a new vote for a new Prime Minister and quite hopefully Shahbaz Sharif uh, will be elected as the Prime Minister of the country. So both Imran Khan and Shahbaz Sharif uh, and other parties which are part of this process are <clears throat> all right-wing parties and uh, are part of the ruling class of this country, and all this uh, and there is a huge drama actually last night happened because Imran Khan and his uh, party was not aligned uh, to uh, for the vote of no confidence to happen uh, actually in the parliament, and they were delaying the procedure. Actually, they in fact they delayed it for many weeks. Uh, because the no, uh, confidence motion was tabled on 8th of march actually and uh, under the constitution in, uh, within two weeks it should be voted upon but they were unconstitutionally delaying it and in the end uh, uh, opposition parties went to the uh, but, but before that they unconstitutionally dissolved the parliament and uh, dissolved the uh, provincial assembly tried to dissolve the provincial assembly and Uh, announced new elections, but then opposition parties went to the Supreme Court and got a decision in their favor uh, which said that uh, the voting should happen. And uh, yesterday it was uh, the decision that uh, at 10 in the morning the voting, the session should uh, start and the voting should happen. But in the end, the speaker uh, was from PTI and he still was not following the Supreme Court decision. And the date was now going to change at uh, late night, uh, 12 o'clock. So then the, for the first time, or a very uh, few times, we have seen that Supreme Court started opening at uh, 12 o'clock in the night. And uh, it was being said that Speaker might get arrested because uh, he has done the contempt of court and not about which was a huge huge uh, thing so then the speaker uh, was got afraid of getting arrested and he ran away and <clears throat> resigned from the post and gave his position to another person of opposition party and then so there was a lot of drama but the real news today is published in BBC urdu in which uh, they are talking about uh, that uh, Act, uh, the actual thing, which is, what is your question, that what was the actual thing going to happen? So it was actually the army, who will become the army chief of the country, because that is the most powerful position in the Pakistan, and prime minister, president, minister, chief minister, that are all secondary, or you can say mostly puppets uh, in this country and have not much power. The real power lies with the army chief. So all this drama, all this political maneuvering and fight and conspiracy theories and uh, allegations and counter allegations was around the appointment of the army chief. So there were two pretenders and the sitting one wanted an extension and the other people who were uh, candidates for the job, they were uh, maneuvering that somehow. So the BBC Urdu actually has reported that uh, in the end, uh, Imran Khan late night uh, issued a notification for the removal of the army chief, uh, which was not actually uh, intended and was not uh, obliged by his own factories uh, and defense secretary and other things. And in the end, <clears throat> the armed forces intervened and took the things in their own hand and then managed somehow to get what they wanted and ousted Imran Khan from the Prime Minister House and he went back to his home. So this was all the drama going on and this is the real power struggle going on and this has nothing to do with the masses of the country, the working class of the country or the people of the country. The conspiracy theories and counter allegations these are just like uh, gimmicks and uh, uh, lies and conspiracies, and just to hide the real sentiments, which is a naked power struggle between two factions of the state.
0: Well, thank you so much for that, and and as you wrote in your article, um, you talked about the army being the real power behind the scenes in, in all of this. So the army is deciding who gets to remain in power and who doesn't, and, and how do you think the army played a role in this in this crisis. And as you're saying, you know, it, it, it's triggered by Imran Khan's decisions about the army. And, and so how do you think that they kind of stepped in in order to remove this government?
1: This is nothing new in Pakistan. And since uh, last 75 years since this uh, country came into being, this is happening time and again, there has been many martial laws in countries and half of the Period of the country is being under military dictatorships and generals ruling the country. And when they are not in uh, direct rule, they are indirectly controlling all these things. So all of these things is very common knowledge in Pakistan and everybody knows internationally as well that the army is a very strong uh, position. And similarly, if you read uh, analysis on different websites or uh, papers or talk shows, Everyone is talking about that. Even when in 2018 Imran Khan came into power, so from the very first day he is being called as a selected prime minister. And selected means that he has been selected by the armies, chosen by the generals. And uh, he was uh, propped up for many years uh, as an opposition leader through media campaigns, through ground road, uh, grassroots sports, and uh, through uh, different politicians in different cities being transferring their loyalties from other parties to Imran Khan under the pressure of uh, army. So this, is, this was common knowledge was happening in broad daylight and through that maneuvering and uh, uh, you can say managed elections or uh, rigged elections, he came to power in 2018. And at that time he was in very good books and uh, was in very close relations it was being called that they are on the same page. But then they develop differences between themselves and for the next transfer of the power. And uh, all this, uh, now how the opposition parties are doing the same thing and they are now in good books. And uh, so this is uh, like uh, 180 degree. Uh, and uh, this is nothing new in Pakistan.
0: And you, you talked about in the article how it, it kind of is based on the president deciding whether or not to give a, a renewal of the term of the, the army chief, or whether to pick a new army chief. So there's kind of a struggle over who's going to be in charge of the army. Basically, ultimately, I think as you as you kind of conclude in your analysis, it doesn't matter for the working class of, of Pakistan who's in charge because all the parties are, uh, it's all the ruling class, it's all the bourgeoisie. But I wonder what, the, what they do disagree on and what the kind of ruling class is having disputes about. Like, would anything change if one person in the army came to power or another came to power? And how has, because you write about how, uh, how Khan kind of represented himself as a new person in politics. He would he'd be new, he'd you know, be a change, blah, blah, blah. What is the opposition saying that they're gonna do new instead of Imran Khan? Uh, and how are they trying to present themselves as a new, better alternative?
1: Uh, uh, better alternate. Uh, Imran Khan's last three and a half years has been a disaster for the country. If you see the economy, a 50% de- depreciation of the currency in last three and a half years, and on more than 4% in just last one month. And uh, inflation, is now officially at around 12.7 percent, but uh, unofficially or in reality, it is quite double from that. And similarly, unemployment uh, rose to highest level, unprecedented level in history. Millions of people uh, brought out from jobs and poverty, hunger, and disease reached unprecedented level. So there is no. Uh, no point to prove that uh, Imran Khan is a failure or uh, he has been a disaster. It is quite everybody, can, even blinds can see that that uh, he has failed. So that is why actually Imran Khan tried to, uh, during this power struggle and for uh, uh, trying to clinging with power, he tried to mobilize uh, people around him through calling it uh, American conspiracy and things like that. But in the end, he couldn't uh, get any big crowds around him. Uh, but first, he announced that around one I will gather around one million people in Islamabad and show my strength. And in the end, he uh, got just to 5,000 chairs for uh, the people who were arriving. And because he was in power, so in Pakistan, when you are in power, you can. Uh, force uh, government servants and uh, public sector employees to come to attend this public meeting of a prime minister or a Prime minister. So, despite using all the power, all the resources, all the money he had, he couldn't gather more than few thousand people. And similar mm-hmm. is the situation with the opposition parties. They have uh, in the previous decades they had uh, uh, different sections of society supporting these parties, but in recent years they have lost their support and they are also hanging in the air. And they couldn't also gather much uh, big gatherings, like the People's Party tried uh, to have a long march from Karachi to Islamabad, but not more than a few thousand people joined them. And mostly were party activists or hired people who were being paid to come to attend the rally and giving a very high amount of money. Similarly, Shibha party also tried to organize public meetings, but not more than 2,000 people came out. So everybody can see that all parties are failures. And Imran Khan, who posed himself as a new entrant, but uh, all his team members, all his ministers, all his advisors were, uh, most of them were old people who corrupt politicians from other parties who had changed their loyalties. And similarly, his policies were not any different from the previous uh, governments, like following the dictates from IMF, World Bank, uh, economic policy, he was uh, appointing finance ministers on the dictations of uh, IMF and World Bank, and they were not members of his party, they were coming from uh, IMF side, and similarly governor of State Bank is an employee of IMF, which uh, uh, was appointed by Khan. And similarly, many other policies on ground, rather, as a, one of the most disastrous policy was the privatization of health sector. Uh, where all the public sector hospitals are being privatized at a very, very huge level. So the, already 80% of, of population in Pakistan doesn't have access to scientific healthcare. And now uh, what remained... Uh, and public sector hospitals were already in a very, very poor and a bad shape. Uh, you can see two patients or three patients on single bed, no medicines, no doctors in uh, far off areas. And, and uh, no uh, equipment so in a very bad shape but now even those very poor facilities have been privatized and has been snatched from people so if any person from working class or even middle class gets sick or uh, he can't get treatment anywhere unless you have huge amounts of money uh, the prices of medicines reached like 400 percent 500 percent rise many times in previous years so all uh, there was a huge disaster, and uh, people were really suffering in all these years. So there was no uh, big argument needed, or no big political discussion needed that Imran Khan is a failure and it should be ousted.
0: Thank you. And and another topic I'd like to kind of focus on is you wrote in the article a lot, really in depth and really revealing about the IMS role in Pakistan. So. The the IMF basically announced that they would stop giving loans to Pakistan unless a new government was formed, which which seems like a pretty you know outright interference in the politics of the country. In addition, as you as you write, they privatized the or they took control of the central bank uh, of Pakistan, um, and they already, as you wrote, had control because the governor of the bank was an IMF lackey, but. You know, let's talk a little bit about what the IMF, its role in Pakistan, what it's been doing um, and how much it's really destroyed the economy and uh, and how much it's destroyed, you know, any any potential government support for the people. You mentioned privatizing uh, the health industry, but, you know, what role does the IMF play in consistently bailing Pakistan out of its financial crisis, but in the process really destroying the country?
1: Yes, yes. Uh, Yes, uh, Pakistan is now the topmost country in the world, which has got the highest number of uh, packages from IMF, I think around 22. Argentina and Pakistan are also almost on the same level. And uh, in all these packages, they have just, uh, 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 apparently they say that they are going to bail out uh, the economy or they are going to assist the economy with the finance and. in emergency needs, but in fact, they are uh, blood suckers or the, the on interest through interest payments and through other controls. Uh, they uh, it is just like uh, a colonization, uh, you can say, or an imperialist policy in which the country is dictated uh, through all these uh, arrangements or packages. And uh, uh, 50% of the budget today. The Pakistan goes in debt payments. So when you get a loan on a very high interest rate and the economy doesn't have enough money to pay back the loan and interest rate, so they get uh, new loans to pay the interest. And then they get new loans then to pay the interest. And this is a whole cycle, uh, an unending cycle. And all these burdens, is uh, on the poor class, on the working class, which has no access to health, no access to education, to uh, poverty and living in extreme poverty, living in extreme misery and destitution. And if you see that over the period of time, there have been huge taxation. Uh, Pakistan is one of the country which has a huge uh, ratio of indirect taxation. Uh, If you see that uh, the taxes on the rich are at a minimum level or almost at a negligible level in Pakistan, either it is uh, corporates or feudals or banks or multinationals or big capitalists. The the income tax, the direct taxation, most of the taxation or the revenue generation is from indirect taxation, which means that the working class, the poor class gets uh, heavily taxed. For example, there is huge tax on the uh, petrol and diesel uh, when uh, you get it or electricity or uh, daily use items like or bread or other things you use so there is indirect taxation and almost 70% or 80% of the revenue is generated through indirect taxation and there is very very negligible tax on the rich people and uh, being rich in Pakistan is a lot uh, a lot more uh, luxury than uh, in America or Europe because at least there there are some taxes though there are also people dodging Uh, the regimes and getting off your accounts, but in Pakistan it is uh, very easy. And uh, similarly the uh, policies, the uh, whole of the uh, uh, wealth produced in Pakistan most of it ends in uh, either the interest payments of IMF, World Bank and other financial institutions or there is loot and plunder uh, by the local ruling class and they stash it in Swiss banks or European and American banks. And they continue uh, to implement IMF policies. And similarly, the national budget of Pakistan is dictated by IMF. The even the provincial budgets of uh, different provinces are dictated by IMF. And IMF employees actually draft the whole budget and decide that which tax needs to be increased, which tax needs to be reduced, and which policy financial policy. And even the finance minister is appointed by the IMF, IMF, and he decides that what uh, uh needs to be done and what is not to be done similarly uh, uh there have been many other uh, privatization policy you can, uh, was first introduced in 1988 and that was on all on the dictates of imf there has been huge privatization going on for last 30 or more years and uh, banks have been privatized and uh telecommunication sector uh, power generation sector, and many other sectors have been uh, privatized at a very, very cheap prices. They were the public uh, recently, PA, Pakistan International Airlines is being privatized now, railways is being privatized, and millions and millions of people have lost their jobs in the process. And uh, out of this process, what happens that uh, the private sector or the multinationals or the bosses got huge, huge profits out of that, and those departments are ruined. And they are used for blood sucking uh, of the uh, consumers or the common people and uh, their livelihoods are destroyed. And uh, there's a huge damage to the, like the health sector, almost the uh, hospitals will be closed for the poor people. Similarly, railways and uh, airlines and other sectors uh, will not be uh, able to use for uh, common people. So this is the whole project. This is all dictated by IMF. and. For example, there is a huge privatization started in 90s of the energy sector or the power generation sector where uh, private uh, companies were allowed to, uh, for the first time to install power generation plants in Pakistan. And uh, there were such uh, uh, corrupt uh, contracts or you can say such uh, uh, contracts in the favor of companies that even if those uh, companies are not producing electricity, then even government was uh, forced to pay them uh, money because they have brought foreign investment in Pakistan. And now and, and also those uh, power generation plants were entitled uh, to import uh, oil on uh, without any duties and custom duties and charges. So now what these uh, power generation plants are doing is so that they are importing oil uh, without any duty or taxes and selling that oil in the market on uh, high rates and 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 also not producing electricity because they are getting money just for installing the capacity and not producing the electricity so there is a huge circular debt in pakistan that is called and uh, the and the consumer electricity consumers has to pay all these expenses and loot and plunder off. so there in every sector then there was a chinese uh, uh, investment on very high interest rates and everything. So Pakistan economy is just like a hostage of all these international financial institutions and uh, the ruling class just takes a cut in that a kickbacks and commission and uh, common people have to suffer.
0: Well, thank you so much for that. And that I think explains a little bit more about the IMS role in this situation. Kind of the next thing you discussed in the article was the American role in, in this. So, I mean, of course, like the American role has been through the IMF predominantly, but you talk about Afghanistan, for example, as kind of a critical moment in this. And the Americans, you know, believe that the Pakistan did not really take their side fully in the situation Afghanistan, fully against the Taliban, for example. So how has how has this played a role in the Americans sort of wanting to punish the government to kind of assert, you know, fuller control? And how is this kind of representing a, a conflict over whether Pakistan will be fully under the control of the United States? So you talk about the opposition faction has recently been appealing to the United States and saying the U.S. can help solve our, our crisis, the U.S. can come bail us out. So yeah, what has the role of America been in this crisis?
1: First of all, America, for the last 75 years, American imperialism has uh, played a very uh, important role in Pakistan, and uh, Pakistan uh, has been used by American imperialism for its policies in the whole South Asian region, and Central Asia, and Middle East, and uh, 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 against China as well. So, Pakistan has a long history. For example, the, uh, dollar Jihad in uh, Afghanistan against the Soviet Union. Uh, so that was uh, mainly sponsored by Americans and CIA, and Pakistan was fighting on behalf of Americans and was uh, the, the main uh, uh, post or the, from where the this Jihad started in uh, in Afghanistan. And uh, Americans at that time pumped huge amounts of money and dollars in Pakistan, and uh, they needed a strong army and strong institutions. And that, at that time, that was the martial dictatorship of uh, General Zia, and which had ousted Bhutto and hanged uh, him, uh, who was elected prime minister at that time, through the courts, actually, uh, at that time. So the Americans have a very long history there, and that continued for many years. And then. In 2001, we started the war, a uh, so-called war on terror was unleashed in uh, Afghanistan and uh, uh, the NATO forces and uh, uh, American forces uh, landed in Afghanistan. And at that time, Pakistan was also considered as an ally or a NATO ally at that time. and was huge amounts of money was being invested in that war. And that war, money also, was coming to Pakistan, and at that time, the Pakistani ruling class was bathing in dollars, was uh, <laughs> was very happy and was overjoyed, and at that time, the real estate sector in Pakistan was expanding, Pakistan economy at one point reached very high levels of growth at that time, and the finance sector was expanding, and many other things, the black economy in Pakistan is a big issue, and that was growing at that time. So after the withdrawal of American forces from Afghanistan or a gradual withdrawal over the period of time in which dollars stopped uh, and was coming less and less, Pakistan economy was also filled in the hate. And Americans are, were also annoyed because they were losing the war and they were getting a humiliating defeat in Afghanistan. So it was not because of Taliban, but the general situation in Afghanistan and was there a general hatred amongst public and population against imperialist intervention and the war which has killed hundreds of thousands and displaced millions. So there was a general hatred and uh, anger against that war which led to the downfall and crisis of u s imperialism. And uh, in the end, Americans were uh, making uh, talking with Taliban and the Pakistani state to uh, rescue them out of this situation and give them uh, Face saving, or which they could claim as victory. But in the end, that couldn't be realized. And uh, in the end, we saw the very chaotic scenes in Kabul, in which uh, the American embassy in uh, Kabul had to be evacuated in emergency to helicopters on the rooftop, and many people were killed. And uh, uh, that was a very chaotic scene in Kabul. So, everyone in the whole world could see. Uh, hello? Yes, everybody in the world could see the relative weakness and importance of American anti So the Americans were not happy that the Pakistani ruling class or the army leadership hasn't done their job. And it was very common in Pakistan for last almost 10 years or even more that Americans are saying, do more, do more, that we are paying you, we are giving you dollars, we are giving you strategic support, whatever you want, but uh, get us out of this all of these situations were uh, creating, uh, uh, you can say, rifts between the American imperialism and the Pakistani ruling class, uh, which, uh, and they had very strong relations in the past. The Americans had relied heavily on the Pakistani ruling class to do their dirty work and do their imperialist work. Uh, but whenever they saw someone is not fit for their job, just like when General Zia came into power, It was clear that uh, Americans were supporting him, and when Bhutto was hanged, it was openly called that General Zia had the support of American imperialism. But when General Zia's plane was uh, uh, crashed and he died in a plane crash, it was also said that Americans uh, were behind that. So Americans uh, have been behind a regime change, it's a long history and today also we can see that uh, people are alleging that uh, Anumran Khan is uh, publicly saying that Americans are behind the change, which is uh, quite possible but there are internal rifts as well among the ruling class there is a rift among the ruling class of Pakistan as well and there is a rift between Pakistani ruling class and the American imperialism and there are rifts in uh, and also there now is a China factor also there which was not there in the past. And uh, Chinese ruling class, China is a capitalist country and the project they have in Pakistan is we uh, have uh, written that that is an imperialist uh, project. So there are rifts between different powers in the world now. There are rifts in the ruling class and, and at the end of the day it represents the crisis of the capitalist system on which this whole edifice is based and uh, the capital, it is a crisis of the capitalist system in the whole world where the economy in America is weakening, uh, there is a finance uh, financial crisis in America. There is a crisis in the American ruling class as well. We, we saw in the uh, events of Trump and Biden and attacks on the American Congress, and there have been huge movements like the Black Lives Matter and other. So American imperialism as a whole is weakening, and they are not able to dictate in uh, their terms in just like a smooth way in the past. And there are people uh, not happy with them and they are talking against them, their own people talking against them. So this is the kind of situation which shows the weakness of the capitalist system and weakness of the ruling class as a whole.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for that. And I guess with that too, I'm curious about the role, you talk a little bit in the article about the role that the Russia and Ukraine conflict has played in, in this crisis and kind of the positions of of the, the uh, ruling class and the political ruling class in Pakistan on the on Russia and the, the Ukraine crisis. So yeah, I'm curious if you can talk a little bit more about how this factored in um, the the different positions that are being taken and are still being taken now um, in rhetoric. Uh,
1: yes, uh, there, there has been a present. I told you that there were rifts between the American imperialism and the Pakistani ruling class over. Issues in Afghanistan and they are not new. They were like uh, 10, 12 years or even more. They are continuous since the Afghanistan uh, war on terror started. Uh, the Americans actually forced Pakistan to enter into that. And Pakistan had uh, different opinions. Like they said that before these people were called jihadis or uh, were called holy warriors by the Americans, and now you are calling them terrorists. So, uh, though we agree, Pakistani General Musharraf at that time, who was the ruler, who agreed with them, but he said that it will not be easy to conduct this oppression on ground and that the change of tactics will be, uh, they saying, difficult, or maybe they were asking more money for that. But uh, with the passage of time, these conflicts grew and grew, and over the period of time, pa- American imperialism was not happy with the Pakistani ruling class. And in the meantime, we see that India, Uh, has shifted its policy as well, and is now more close to America than ever in the past. Actually, before the 90s and before the collapse of Soviet Union, India was uh, uh, an ally of Soviet Union, and was not in the American sphere of influence. And that gave Pakistan much more leverage and much more uh, uh, closeness to Americans in the whole region. But after India getting closer to America, Americans changed their policy and their emphasis and uh, uh, their whole base was uh, around India and to see the Trump's visit uh, when in India uh, in Modi's rule and Modi was supporting Trump's election campaign in Texas at one time. So Pakistan's uh, position uh, was weakened at that time. Pakistani ruling class tried to show their importance to America by getting more closer ties with china with, with which americans were not happy <clears throat> but were tolerating that and similarly th- to show that americans their uh, importance they tried to visit russia and russians were use, uh, uh, needed actually uh, this to stage their own uh, authority and all that so uh, on the day when russian uh, army invaded Ukraine, at that time, Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan was in Moscow meeting with Putin. And now Imran Khan is saying, Imran Khan is saying that I am being ousted from power because I was in Russia and Americans were not happy with that, and this and that. So he's trying to build up a conspiracy theory and trying to talk about, patriotism and uh, independence and all that. But this is all hollow claims and uh, just uh, mockery, hypocr- hypocrisy and mockery and, and nothing to do with reality. He has served American imperialism and uh, IMF most, more than any other ruler in the past. And he has been more subservient, more uh, uh, slave-like uh, position than any ruler in the past. And in the future, also, he will do that, but just to prop up uh, some sport around him, to right-wing uh, base, uh, middle-class base, and to rally around him. He's using his uh, lies and uh, deceit around him, which has uh, no basis uh, in reality. And he's more subservient to American criticism, just like the opposition and all that. Just is that that he has been, Uh, failed in the last three and a half years, and there have been huge hatred and uh, anger in the masses against them. And uh, actually, the ruling class was also fearing that there can be a mass movement uh, due to inflation and uh, unemployment and other issues. And through a change of face or change of government, they're also using it as a safety wall uh, that people feel like a relief that a new prime minister has come and things might change or might improve. Uh, all these things as well but similarly they had all differences among themselves and their differences with american imperialism as well thank you it is all contradictions in the society which are now coming to the fore, which were piling up for over the many years
0: thanks and i'm curious to talk i guess in concluding a little bit about the working class movement in in pakistan against uh, against all of this, against imperialism, against the ruling class. So you talked in your article a little bit about, uh, you know, protests that have been going on in the past couple of months with 30,000, 40,000 workers protesting, um, and not, not receiving pensions, demanding higher wages. So tell us a little bit about these protests. And then also, you know, what has been the reaction with respect to like protesting uh, against this political crisis? Has there been Uh, a wide-scale protest to resist the political gains of of the ruling class of the United States. Um, Yeah, tell us a little bit about the people's resistance.
1: Oh, no, the working class in Pakistan uh, has very revolutionary traditions. There was a huge revolutionary movement in 1968-69, which ousted a general uh, Uwe at that time, who was a dictator for more than a decade at that time. And there was a general strike in uh, March 1969, which ended in the uh, ousting of power of General Ayub. And since then, there have been huge mass movements, protests, strikes. There, uh, against the Ziaz, general Zia's dictatorship, there was very, very militant struggles by the working class and strikes and uh, very heroic acts of sacrifices at that time. Similarly, in General Musharraf's time, we saw the movement of telecommunication workers strike. Uh, in 2005 by the telecommunication workers and many other struggles by uh, other struggles. So in the last three years, there have been many big struggles and strikes and movements against the PTI government uh, by the workers. Uh, in Different sectors of, uh, uh, in PIA, Pakistan International Airlines, there have been very, very militant strikes and movements, protests against privatization and attacks by the ruling class. Similarly in railways, There have been huge protests and movements and struggles. Railway workers have a very militant tradition, not only in Pakistan but in the whole Indian subcontinent. Because before uh, trade unions in railway exist before the partition or before the uh, independence uh, of the subcontinent, and uh, uh, actually they were very advanced, uh, uh, played a very advanced role in the independence movement as well. Similarly, there have been strikes in the uh, private sector as well for higher wages. And then pensioners are on the uh, move because the Pakistani government under PTI has been trying to end the pension system in Pakistan, which will affect like millions of uh, pensioners and uh, widowers uh, across the country, and they will lose their only livelihood and will die in destitution. So there have been protests and movements by the pensioners and all that. last two years what we have seen is a that public sector uh, employees from different uh, departments either they were from health or uh, uh, from the education department school teachers and others or different other departments came uh, together and formed an alliance which was called agiga or all government employees grand alliance and that was a country-wide alliance and that had uh, Uh, in in provinces as well and at the federal level. Federal sector employees and uh, provincial department employees, they all came together. And in uh, in February last year, they held a huge protest in Islamabad, in which around 30,000 or 40,000 workers participated Mm -hmm. and they were asking for around 35% increase in their wages. And uh, there was huge tear gas, thrown at them, they were beaten by police, and they were tortured by police outside the parliament house in Islamabad. And only 30,000 or 40,000 could reach, but it, it was, uh, that was the gathering of 30, 40,000 in the provinces or in the cities. There were hundreds of thousands were mobilizing, uh, but all could, uh, were not going to Islamabad and they were protesting in their own cities. So in the end, they were successful in many of their demands. And uh, Later, uh, there were protests in the provincial headquarters as well. And that uh, protest continued for whole year. And now, in February this year as well, there was a huge protest in Islamabad. And a large number of people also gathered there. And most of their demands were also accepted. And now there are protests in, uh, in provincial capitals for implementation of those demands. And uh, there has been huge mobilization of workers around these uh, demands for higher wages. Then in Karachi, we saw the movement of private sector workers in industrial areas of Karachi like Purangi and Landi, and they were asking to, for a rise in the minimum wage, which is a very shamefully low minimum wage uh, by, you know, by the government, which is uh, not covers actually the, just the meal of one person or two percent of a family for one month. And apart from that, you have to pay electricity bill, you have to pay rent and other things. So that is very shameful uh, wages and even that is not implemented in private sector for example if 17000 rupees per month is announced as a monthly minimum wage but the factory owners are uh, are paying 10000 12000 rupees which is uh, and for a 12 hours day if uh, without any holidays or vacations or anything so that is a very brutal uh, conditions in uh, pakistani private sector and these private uh, sector is working for the multinationals across the world like uh, Zara or H uh, H&M and M uh, and many other big brands uh, like Nike and Adidas and uh, there are all the brands in the world, textile brands or other uh, sports wear and many others are getting their productions from Pakistan. But uh, those products, you know, that how expensive they are in America or Europe. But here, the workers get less than a dollar or even in cents. So, the condition of the private sector is not very good. So, there were protests in Karachi uh, last year in August, uh, in 30th August, our organization, Red Workers' Front, organized a protest, and then there were other protests, and after that, uh, wages were increased uh, in many sectors, uh, uh, especially in Karachi and uh, different parts, uh, industrial areas near Karachi. Wages were raised, but still there are many uh, uh, millions of workers across the country who are working uh, in very, very poor working conditions, no union rights, no. Uh, social security and no health benefits, no education for children and and living in very poor conditions. So the struggle continues and the working class is, and as far as the political situation is concerned, I think the working class has played a very, very conscious role in that, uh, a very high level of consciousness that they have not supported any political party All this uh, power struggle and they can understand that this is not for the... (coughs) for them that uh, they are fighting. They are fighting for getting into power. Either they are uh, putting forward allegations of American conspiracy, of uh, military intervention of this and that. This is all just fake and uh, hoax and working class understand that that if even Shibashir comes to power or Khan returns to power, they will not get better wages, they will not get better living conditions, they will not get uh, uh, despite from inflation, which is very, very high. So they are indifferent to the whole situation and we haven't seen any big protests or participation from the working class whatsoever in whole situation. Even the uh, uh, Imran Khan doesn't rep- represent any section of the working class. He represented a very small layer of urban middle-class youth, uh, petty Goldwa youth, and similarly, the bahrashid's party PMLN, has bases in the industrialists and uh, shopkeepers and the middle class traders and uh, small industrialists so they do not represent the uh, working class and at, at the moment there is a huge vacuum that there is no political party in the country that represents the working class of this country or have a political, a political class doesn't have a political representative at this point. And this vacuum will not be left forever, and that might be failed in one way or another.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking some time to speak with me about the situation. We'll definitely continue following it as it develops because it, it is a you know breaking news situation right now. But thank you so much for giving this in-depth analysis of also, you know that's all kind of the the ruling class going at one another and the workers' issues are still the most important. The problem of imperialism is still very much under the surface and you have a...
1: Uh, Sorry to cut you, if you look at the lifestyle of these uh, party leaders, you will be amazed. And even I think uh, Trump or Biden will be really surprised to see or they might know that they are living in more like a royal family and even more luxurious life. If you see the house of Imran Khan or uh, Shabashri for Zardari, so these are huge mansions and in every city and extreme luxury. On the and on the other hand, the people who are they allegedly represent are living in extreme poverty and destitution.
0: Yeah, and it's it's a horrible situation. As you pointed out in your article, the inequality has only gotten worse because of the the contest between the ruling class in Pakistan. So thank you so much again, you know, this was a a lot of good information. I learned a lot from from this conversation. So uh, yeah, thanks so much and uh, and take care, stay safe.
1: Goodbye. Thank you, bye-bye.